Hello, everyone. Welcome to the weekly Reality Check podcast. I'm Marshall Anschutz, your host, the owner of Unwritten Media. And this week, I had the honor of being a instructor at the Deliver Conference out in Los Angeles. Uh, I spent two days teaching people how to learn uh, to program in Unity, to build VR apps, to build augmented reality apps, and to be able to uh, understand the whole entire process of building uh, a concept from the idea to getting your workstation set up all the way through implementing the idea and actually getting something out to an end user. Uh, there's so many pieces of that puzzle that you need to understand as a virtual reality uh, production shop or as a developer for a business. Um, games have a cycle that's fairly similar to virtual reality, but I touched on a lot of the pieces that are unique to a VR uh, specific application, in particular things like touching on the close relationship between developers and the creatives, the people building the graphics, uh, mainly because of the symbiotic relationship between the technology, the limitations of it, and what it allows and enables beyond a traditional two-dimensional workflow. Uh, so I was able to teach a group of about 25 people, more or less, uh, some days, some sessions, uh, people came and went, but for the most part, when people came into the session, they were excited to learn about the, um, the uniquenesses of virtual reality. The uh, mobile platforms were particularly interesting, both for augmented and for some of the virtual reality technologies. Um, one of the other things that I did while we were at the conference was we got to take a trip over to 2-Bit Circus. The uh, place is a main event style, maybe Dave and Buster's-esque uh, place to play, do arcades. They, of course, had pinball, um, skee-ball, all sorts of other fun arcade games. But about half of the warehouse uh, that they were in was dedicated to virtual reality experiences. Uh, there was a bunch of HTC Vive headsets and, of course, their positional tracking systems, the laser-based lighthouses were set up there. Some of them had the original, where there's a maximum of two lighthouses, and they were maybe a little bit smaller experiences. And some used the newer 2.0 lighthouses that have a space of up to 30 feet. Although in reality, I saw most, most of the systems had a maximum of maybe 20 feet, 15 feet of play space square. Um, it did allow for up to four players in some of those experiences. Uh, in particular, the zombie shooters, uh, you could actually work as a team of four to go in and shoot the uh, hordes of zombies. Uh, being able to work there uh, with a squad, I actually found really fun. You could duck behind a wall, you could stand up, you could actually uh, shoot each other to recharge their life. So uh, while you could play somewhat independently, there was a team aspect that allowed for up to four players uh, very nice in an arcade situation. Maybe for a game that you played at home with other people, it would have been a little lacking with the interactions. But I think in an arcade situation where you only have maybe five minutes to play a game, they did a pretty good job of utilizing a few of VR's good features. Uh, in particular, I liked the zombie rig that it had a cable above you that actually held the umbilical cord going to the VR headset. That allowed you to move around without worrying about tangling yourself in a cable and it didn't require a mobile computer to be strapped on your back with a full backpack type system. 
So it had a big controller. That was the only thing you were really holding. The rest of it was just the, the you know, relatively lightweight of a VR headset, and you felt free beyond that. Um, one of the other games at 2-Bit that I really wanted to talk about was The Maze. They took plexiglass, was able to use that as a physical maze, but then they played it in a virtual reality setting. So that maze could change into a number of different things. They had a more dark uh, dragon type of um, skeleton shooting game, and then a more fun uh, game that was suited to maybe a younger audience. Um, but both of them use the same maze, and they use some of the same special effects in there, such as wind um, and the, uh, the other effects shaking, maybe the floor moving a little bit to give you a sense of realism of the scenes that they had. Um, it was good, but it had some issues with the older lighthouse tracking. But those are the type of things that I talked about in the session was uh, to these, uh, these people trying to learn how to build apps was that sometimes you can use things to your advantage and sometimes those things will be a limitation, but it's not necessarily a showstopper for building a really high quality app that people can enjoy, have fun with, whether it's a training or whether it's a more fun, sit back and relax type of experience. Um, I think that going into the future, we're going to have to continue training people to learn how to build apps, how to be able to collaborate with each other and share some of these tips and tricks in the industry. It was very obvious in the session that while these people knew a ton of things, there was still so much more to learn, so many more things that can only come from a practical experience in building applications. And some of those things we're not gonna get all on our own. We're gonna have to lean on other people to be able to um, learn about what worked in their experience with another group of people, a different demographic, uh, older people have a different ability when it comes to VR mechanics than maybe a younger person does. Um, just the same, there is differences in um, whether people have played video games all their life or they're new. Maybe blue collar workers versus uh, game enthusiasts, someone who's um, able to hang out on a high truss and work with a, a uh, you know, iron beam up in the air is going to be a lot more immune to the effects of vertigo than someone who sits at a desk all day. So thinking about those type of things, really getting in the mindset of the end user is really gonna make some quality games that stick out. We also did a session in our, uh, on the first day of my class that was a breakout to think about how to build an augmented reality app. The app ideas that they came up with were really phenomenal and it showed a wide variety in not only the types of things that people could build, but also the mechanics of how they would work. For instance, someone came up with the idea of using graffiti through an augmented reality uh, tablet or iPad or something like that, where they could draw um, graffiti. And someone else came up with the idea of having a bumper car style simulation where you could move around and squirt goo. Both of those used an augmented reality um, mechanic in general, to move around, to be able to, to tap and make something happen. But the end result was a completely unique experience that would, um, that would be unlike the other one. And so I think that the, um, the type of mechanics, the, uh, the style at which people interact is going to continue to be novel as new use cases are thought up. So anyways, I was excited to see the enthusiasm for virtual reality, the enthusiasm for mobile, portable, uh, in particular, any sort of wireless type of systems, the augmented reality 
of course, falls under that for the most part as well. Uh, but I think the future is strong for virtual reality. Um, my final thought for today would be that those fields are going to expand over the next couple of years. You're going to see, even though the uh, there may be more articles written to say, oh, VR is dying or augmented reality has hit its peak. Um, I think those things are going to take, there's a bit of truth to them that the in initial enthusiasms may be curbed a little bit. But the reality is these technologies are here to stay. They're going to continue to improve. They're going to make our way down into more mainstream life where in the future, we're going to wonder why something wouldn't have an augmented reality version of it. Why there's no uh, immersive virtual reality experience in a, uh, whether it's a movie theater or an entertainment venue. Those type of things are going to become commonplace to the point that we, uh, we would start to miss them if they didn't show up. So anyways, I'm excited about the future. I'm excited. Um, I saw even here recently that Steam uh, has over a million monthly users in their Steam VR headsets connected and actually being utilized. So I think there's going to continue to be that improvement. Uh, maybe this Christmas we'll see a bunch more headsets come out and uh, get some more consumers in it. I know there's a lot of industrial commercial uses where corporations are buying headsets. So it's just going to continue from a lot of different fronts. I'm really excited about that. So thanks for joining me today. Um, as always, you can go to weeklyrealitycheck.com. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter email where I will send out when the podcast has been published. You can look at us now. We're finally on Apple iTunes. We're on Spotify. Uh, I believe we're on Google Play as well, if that hasn't been approved yet uh, by the time of this getting published. If not, then we'll be there soon. Uh, and if there's any other podcast platforms that I'm missing, please let me know. Tweet me at Manshoots, that's M-A-N-S-C-H-U-T-Z on Twitter. I'd love to tweet back at you to discuss any virtual reality thoughts you have, any augmented reality apps that you're building, uh, anything like that. But anyways, uh, thanks for joining me for the past couple of minutes, and I hope to talk to you next week. Music